When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Penn State fans, you know what time it is. Dave Jones is joining me. It's time for the Blue White Breakdown podcast as we get into, we creep towards the middle of March which means we're getting very close, Dave, to you releasing your picks for the NCAA basketball tournament. I teased it a week ago. I'm still counting on you to make me some money in a couple of weeks. But are you getting excited now with the tournament getting closer? Forget that. You're going to the Masters. Let's hear about this. I am going to the Masters. I am you, going you've to never Masters. been to Augusta before. Is Augusta no. ready for this? It's a, it's I mean, a, it's a bucket list yeah. event for me. Are you going to yell out stuff like on the I don't think so. I'll probably do real. You know, it's not like that Phoenix Waste Management Tournament where they throw beer cans on the (laughs) – you hit a – I think it's not – see, that would be my tournament. Which is where you belong, yeah. I do. We almost – we talked about going that right around the time the pandemic hit. It's actually pretty affordable to go out there. But the the Masters just came up. The opportunity came up. And barring any last-minute setbacks, I'm going. I'm going for the whole week. Uh, one of my good friends uh, has some connections, and he, uh, uh, I believe he's rented a house fairly close by, and boy, he's got... Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. This sounds fun. I've never been. I've never yeah. been. Well, I'll send you plenty of pictures. You excited? Yeah. yeah I am. I'm excited. I, I am. Uh, it's just one of those things I never thought I would get a chance to go no, to. No, no, no. All right. Just do me one favor, and then we'll get Yeah, sure. If, if you're on the green with Mickelson. Yeah. Just do something to bug him. I don't yeah. care what. You yeah. know, okay? Yeah. I mean I will. When when he's getting ready to putt, say this for bird <laughs> and to share the lead. Okay. Dave, I was at I was at this a for uh, bird and to share the lead. <laughs> Dave, I was at an event. To me, it is the gold standard of chirping. And I, <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna remember this. The Atlantic Ten tournament when St. Joe's was playing UMass. And I was there with uh, my buddy Dan. We were at the game. UMass, I think, blew out St. Joe's. I think it was the mid '90s, and there was like a. It seems to. I seem to remember this. It was like there was there was a there was a yes. big St. Joe's crowd, and they were really into it at the Palestra. Yeah. And there was like a I don't know if there was a TV timeout, but it got a little quiet, and somebody else. Hey, Calipari, Patino needs a suit back by 10. And that was, like, to me, one of the great, great, great chirps of all time. I would not do that at the Masters, but I still remember that. That was just classic stuff. <laughs> There's a, there, there was a great – back when Bill Simmons, you know, 20 years ago, wrote really yeah. in, interesting, funny stuff, and they, these columns would go on forever. Yeah. This had to be, like, 22 years ago. 
Um, our friend Chris Zarek showed me this story. I remember, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Because it yeah. was all about guys you didn't want to be around at baseball parks, all those annoying people around <laughs> you. And then he did a little interlude on heckling. And yeah. he said he's not really a big heckler, but he got his nerve up one time because he got great seats at a Yankees game, a Yankees-Red Sox game. He was a big Red Sox fan. And they were so good that they were looking at Frank Howard's ass the entire <laughs> thing because he's, he's the first base coach, and he's huge. And he was a big yeah. slugger for the what, from the 60s? Is that right? Yeah, from the, the Senators, the Washington yeah. Senators, and a, a couple other. I think he was early he was a Dodgers, but he was a 6'7", yeah. former Ohio State grad. Buckeye. 6'7", had to be 280, and, and hit titanic home runs late in his career with the Senators, the late 60s. Yeah. At this point, he's a, he's a Yankees first base coach. So they're looking at his big rear as he bends over every <laughs> – and it becomes, you know, they get a couple of pops in him, and they're third, and it's the seventh inning, eighth inning, and he finally gets a nerve up. He's talking about heckling as the best when it's quick. Yeah. Short and sweet, a few words. You know, yeah. if you get long, long sentences, that's not Forget it. Forget it. And he finally, he finally, eighth inning starts, and and Frank Howard bends over, and he goes, "Hey Hondo," that was his nickname. Yeah. Hey Hondo, nice ass. <laughs> <laughs> he broke up an entire session, <laughs> which is funny. That's that's yeah. funny yeah. stuff. And he said he, and Frank Howard actually stood up like. <laughs> <laughs> I had a heckling moment like that with Eric Shaw, who we remember was a relief pitcher. He was a starting oh, yeah, pitcher yeah. for the Padres. Yeah. yeah. And, but he was known as a, a John Birch Society member. <laughs> you know, the real, real right wing kind of. Uh, and I. I You're uh, kind of guy then. You're kind of yeah, guy. Sure. Yeah. And Jerry Royster. And, we, you know, we've got a few pops in us. The third baseline is Cincinnati game, the Reds game, back in Old Riverfront. And we're talking Gee, to Jerry oh, Royster nice. over the dugout. He's in the on deck circle. He was a first base, first base side. And we were, we were going, Hey, Royster, does Shao carry a gun? And he, <laughs> he looked around at us and laughing, you know, because he knew what we were talking about. And then, then we started working on Shao. And I swear to God, this happened. We were down the line just a little bit and he fouled off a pitch right at us and it went. <laughs> You know, right off, and he looked over and smiled, and then did it again, and it, like it, like he aimed it. I mean, yeah. I guess guys could probably do that, even pitchers. I don't know, but he looked over and laughed like both times. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Good heckling stories. We once in a while, I think. Now that we're in the off season, we could we could share some of these stories on the podcast because I think if they're interesting enough, Penn State football fans will not get super peeved at us. But Dave. Let's. I wanted. There was something you showed me, but I wanted to. I wanted to talk to you about something that I read on the Athletic today. Did you check it out today? I was looking at Bruce Feldman's That's coaching it. ratings. Oh, really? Let, and he yeah. still has. He still has Franklin Knight. Is all, right, all right. All right. All right. So you've seen it. So I just wanted to. I wanted to ask you because uh, he had his list, and uh, Stuart Mandel. Uh, Stuart Mandel had his list. So last year, Bruce Feldman, who is a very, very close, I think to James Franklin, had him at number five. Of, of his top 25, he's down to number nine. 
Before we get into the guys in front of them, Dave, I'll just read. It's only like one paragraph. I'm going to real real quick. I'll read what uh, I'll read what Feldman wrote about James Franklin at number nine. He kind of glossed gone, over the last two seasons, didn't he? Yeah, he's 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 well. He said he's gone from being a top five coach to being close to slipping out of my top ten after consecutive four and five seasons in Big Ten play. He's eleven and eleven overall. Before that, it was stellar. Franklin took over a program reeling from hefty sanctions, and by year three, had led the Nittany Lions to a Big Ten title. He's had three eleven win seasons in Happy Valley and produced a lot of talent. His work at Vanderbilt was even more impressive, leading the Commodores to top 25 finishes in two of his three seasons. Vanderbilt hadn't finished in the top 25 in more than 60 years. Vanderbilt has gone 29-65 since he left. So just your thoughts, just on on James in his top 10, but not – I mean, he had to drop him, but what did you think of his list? I looked at the list specifically to see what he did with Franklin. Yeah. And I'm a huge Bruce Feldman fan, and I consider yeah. him a friend. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. Do you? I mean, yeah, I he's got Luke Fickle behind him at ten. That's yeah, to me. That, that was the next thing I saw was Luke Fickle right behind him. I, I, how can you at this point? I don't see how you yeah. can. Uh, Matt Campbell at thirteen. That surprised me. Completely underperformed uh, the last couple of years, and I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it, and. I guess he a lot of those guys really value recruiting. Yeah. They deal with the national writers, they deal with it's two things that are huge. They deal with coaches, their agents, and they deal with with player value. And mm-hmm. sometimes not so much with the results on the field. It's almost like uh, something else I want to talk about is the combine guys, they become so infatuated with metrics. Yeah, they they don't look at the tape. I mean, that's the kind of thing this seems to be to me. But I haven't spoken to Bruce about it. I don't understand it, and I couldn't do it. I wouldn't even put him in the top twenty. Would you? Now you got me thinking. I'm looking at some. I'm looking at some of the guys that are that are behind James that I think should be in front of James based on the last two years. And I would agree with you. I wanted to tell you though two things. Bo Pelini didn't make the list. I know that upset you. <laughs> My man, P.J. Fleck, checks in at number 21. I think, you know what, I think he's better than the number 21 coach in the country. I really do. Yeah, he's annoying, but that has nothing to do with results. I mean, that's a backwater. That place is a backwater. I didn't think (laughs) he could do what he's done, and he's made them fairly respectable. I thought he'd be out of there by now to someplace like UCLA or some. Mm -hmm. You know, he he always struck me as kind of a Todd Graham kind of guy who's going to parlay – a couple of good years at a place like Minnesota into a big contract someplace. But you can't argue with the, the results so far at Minnesota. In Minnesota, yeah. people don't realize it it has the longest drought, longest Rose Bowl drought in the league. Other you know, we're not counting Rutgers or Maryland, of course, but everybody else, it's the the longest drought. Without a Rose Bowl, we're talking about 60 years now, all the way back to Sandy Stevens. It's it it has never had any heritage. You know, they played in that that garbage bag for so long, and we're, we're, the Metrodome. Yeah, <laughs> was it was there any was there any place that you've oh. been? You've been doing this a while now. More annoying. It's, You're 20 years on the Penn State beat. It's an eyesore. It's an ear sore. Like that stupid music. <laughs> oh, it is. Is that a it's word? A it should be it a word. Bad. 
It was an ear sore. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 Not, and, not, would not make my top 500. It, uh, that, that just said it all about Minnesota football. It was just low yeah. rent for a while. Um, they, they made a little move there with Glenn Mason, but every, mm-hmm. every year and you know, Lou Holtz used it as a, as a way station for a little while between jobs before he got the Notre Dame job. But otherwise they just had a succession of these guys. And for PJ Fleck to do what he's done and actually make an impact in the league, I think it's, it, they also went down and, uh, then they beat Auburn in the bowl, right? A couple of years. Yeah. Ago, the right? year that, in the year they beat Penn State, then they, they beat up Auburn pretty good in the bowl game. It was yeah, one of the Florida bowls. It was bowl. a great game. Interesting game. Yeah. And, uh, Tampa, is that the Tampa bowl? I don't know which Tampa. one it was. It, it was either Tampa or the Citrus Bowl, I think. I don't think it was, uh, the other one. So Dave, we're talking about Bruce Feldman's, uh, The Athletic, who does a great job. His, he, his ranking of the top 25 coaches. In college football, James Franklin came in ninth. Two, just two more things before we get to uh, Mandel's. A polarizing guy to me, he said, just missed the cut. And it's really hard to rank him because one year they're really good. And the next year they just – and I, I, we know why. But uh, Pat Fitzgerald's not in the top 25. Really bad year last year, but they were really good two years ago. Just missed the cut. What do you think well, about but Fitzgerald? Before you, before you go, Fitz, look – this this is a program that were anyone else the coach there, I just can't even understand. I don't understand how Gary Barnett did it in '95. Then they actually won a when Kevin Wilson started running the offense, um, and they they had a year there in 2000. And otherwise, he's won division titles two of the last four years. He's also done something I don't think has ever been done in college football. They were first, last, first, last in their division the last four years. Well, what does that tell you? Fitzgerald's coaching is not changing. Right. It's just that they have to build up to a certain level with the guys they have. And then he's able to to get them over the hump, man, and win important games in that division. And sure, it's the West, but still, he was in two Big Ten championship games. And they had courted themselves pretty well, didn't they? Yes. In those games? Yeah, they they had Ohio Ohio State didn't play well in that that game two years ago. They had him they had him on the ropes until th- that Thurman guy ran for like the most yards ever. I think uh, you know a single game performance. I think for an and Ohio he State. It, back. He did it with Clayton Thorson at quarterback. I mean, <laughs> what do you need? Is it who would you compare that to making the Super Bowl in the NFL? I mean, that's, that's... <laughs> Craig Morton. Well, who? <laughs> yeah, but he yeah who is. Who was the guy with the Ravens? I can't think. That, Trent uh, Dilfer. Of course, Trent Dilfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what I remember, Dave. Just real quick, we're, we were talking about P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. I am really, really looking forward to Minnesota visiting Beaver Stadium uh, this fall. I think it's middle of the season, but this is, you know, I think this game is going to mean a lot to the Golden Gophers and Kirk Shiraka, and I think that's a team that, you know, if, if they protect the football, they could be a little bit tough to beat with their style of play. They they do something that you, it takes a certain structure and a certain kind of quarterback. And he had the perfect quarterback at Minnesota do, to do it. And then when he came in here, he didn't. I mean, Sean Clifford is is not the kind of guy you want running that offense, is he? I mean, they tried to do it, but he really isn't. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it, and you know that was it was a weird season for a lot of different reasons. Twenty twenty, but they those two losses to start the year really set them back, and they really had to restructure. They're on during that winning streak that they won four in a row. They essentially just ran the ball two out of every three plays and took the ball out of his hands. Yeah, well, Tanner Morgan was the perfect guy. I think he's back, off. Tanner Morgan. Did he come back? I didn't. I didn't know. I think yeah. he has another year, and I, yeah. so it, so it'll be Clifford, Tanner Morgan, and Clifford and the Purdue court, Aiden O'Connell. Those are two matchups of thirty-year-old quarterbacks in the Big Ten. It was a lot of state. <laughs> well, the fact is, Tanner Morgan could make quick decisions, quick throws, and you have to do that when you read in that offense because you're always reading the defense and deciding on the fly what you're going to do. And Morgan was really, really good at that. Shiraka was comfortable with him. Then he came into a situation here where, so the, to me, that that's a coordinator who really does have his own system and he has to fit. There aren't too many coordinators who can adapt all the time to the talent. It, it was hard to hard for him to, I think, to, to adapt to this talent here. Um, I think you're you are more in sync with Stuart Mandel's rankings. His top twenty five. He's got James Franklin twenty second. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. What else? Uh, actually, PJ Flex ahead of him. Uh, no surprise. Would you agree? Everyone's going to have this. Their top five is going to be some order of Nick Saban, Dabo, Kirby Smart, Ryan Day. He's got Brian Kelly of uh, LSU four. Well, He's got it, Lincoln Riley. It, it depends six. on the definition of what this list is. Are you talking about a guy who has a certain level of talent and let's see right. what we can do with it? It's like it's like the Iron Chef where you're given certain ingredients. Okay, what are we going to do with this? Um, if you're talking about Ryan Day is in a situation where I think he's improved on Urban, Urban Meyer, but still it's Ohio State. What you do at Ohio State is completely different than what you do, do at Minnesota. I mean, the the yeah. abilities to do that. So are we including the heritage and the program and all that stuff in how we rank? Because if we are, I don't understand how guys like Fleck and Fitzgerald aren't rated a lot higher because they're doing a lot more with less. I don't know what these lists are. I don't understand. Well, I think though, so this is, he has in his top 10 at number 10. I think this speaks to what you're talking about. I think this is an interesting ranking at 10. I think it's a good ranking too. Uh, Jeff Munkin at Army. There you Munkin. go. Yeah. 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 He, his, he had, hey, Stewart was real short and sweet at number 10. Munkin led Army to more milestones last season, including a bowl win over Missouri that marked the Black Knights' first win against an SEC opponent since 1990. Army has won at least nine games in four of the past five seasons something it had done just three times in the previous 32 years. Well, what about Mark Stoops, for instance? He's number 14 on – on. Uh, he's right behind Har- – Harbaugh's 13. Mark Stoops of Kentucky is 14 on Mandel's list. Let's see, why is Harbaugh 13? Why is <laughs> – this is what I'm talking about. Michigan has all the advantages, the incredible budget, the fans who care so much, 100,000-seat stadium, 110. Kentucky yeah. has none of that. Nobody cares. It's like Penn State basketball. And, I mean, it's a lot like that. And he's done wonders in that place with not much. So I don't understand the rankings. Uh, Dave, have you thought maybe in a couple of weeks you could come out with your top 25, reference this, and, and explain how you got to your rankings. I think it would be a fascinating read because you're, you're clearly going to have a much different uh, thought process 
than these two guys. These are national writers. You're a national writer. So would you would you uh, think about maybe doing one of these in a couple of weeks or, or no? I, 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 come to think of it, I wouldn't mind doing it. I mean, I'll tell you somebody else who is going to be who's doing something with nothing. I mean, nothing is going to be is Lance Leipold at Kansas. Uh, yeah, I think he's on it. He's on. No, he's a 23 on Feldman's list list. Stewart has him. Well, anyway, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do for, see what you're getting at. Yeah. For a, a long time, for instance, not, not, yeah. not lately, but Gary Patterson was this guy. Yeah. Yeah. At, at Texas Christian, he would do a lot with just ordinary material. A, a lot of years. Um, and did it a lot with defense, did it a lot simply with recruiting tough three-star guys. Wisconsin's done that over the years. To me, those are the, the coaches that deserve to be at the top of the list. I mean, you and I could take the money right. they have at Texas and probably do <laughs> as well as they've done, right? I mean, they have all the resources in the world at Texas. The biggest athletic budget in the country, and it's not close. And this is the best they can do, you know? I think your top 25 list would be a great read. Maybe if you do it between now and the, you know, maybe sometime in, you know, in April or something, time it up with spring football. I I think it would be a great read. I would probably just do coaches to look out for is what I would do. And, you know, Lipo would be one. Jonathan Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, another Okay. Who's doing something with nothing? And there have been a couple of guys at Ole Miss who've who've done that. I think Hugh Freeze did for a little while. Of course, it was everyone in the SEC is pretty sleazy, and he got a a name for himself. But Lane Kiffin did a great job there for for a little while too. To me, those are those are jobs like jobs with ordinary resources where extraordinary things have been done or or are about to done or with like bad resources you're being competitive. To me, those are the great coaches. Dave, on any, on any top 25 list you would do, whatever the criteria, what, what, what kind of list would have it, would you need to have for Bo Pelini to be in your top 25? What would it be a ranking of to make my man? What are you saying? What are you saying? Where, what what top 25 list would he be a no brainer for? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? (laughs) What are you looking at my man? I don't, what, what are we laughing at here? Yeah. All right, just mention somewhere somehow work Bo Pelini into it. I don't care how you do it. Instead of instead of just miss the cut uh, at the bottom, you could have had no chance of making. I, I worked him in last week. Didn't you see on the interviews? Oh no, the best, best and worst Dude. interviews of all time. Yeah. Uh, this is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Are we going to talk about the combine? And the yeah, uh, we are going to talk. I, I had to watch two days of it, Dave. I, I, was, I would love to talk about it. It was all geared up for this, and then you, you throw, you keep throwing these 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 flutter balls at me. The Good, but, keeping uh, you off balance. Uh, what did you think of Jahan Dotson's forty time? I know that's such a big deal. What do you I mean, run a four four two? What did he run? 
Yeah, like, I think he, he ended up with a four four one. There were a bunch of guys that cracked sub in the four threes, but you know, I just there's two things that I, I would say about about the combine. There there is there is track speed and there is football field speed, and I don't think they're necessarily the same. I think some guys are actually just this sounds it, it, they look faster in a game and they run faster in a game, uh, and also they probably run faster when someone's chasing them, but. I think Jahan Dotson is – I just don't think you're going to catch him anymore. So he is plenty fast to me. He's just – you know, he, he's not that much bigger than K.J. Hamler was. I, he weighed – I think he weighed in at like 176 or 177. And maybe he just wants to stay that way because he doesn't want to get bulky. But, you know, to spend a first-round pick on a guy that's, you know, under 180 pounds when you have, you know, 9, 10, 11 guys that are comparable to him – I just wonder where he's going to go. Everyone says late, late first round, Dave. And I, but I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a player. But I would not be surprised if he even, if he slips into the early second round. And you, because of the size, which is a, is a factor in the NFL, when you get hit, you get hit by big guys who are running fast. You, you, you might not draft him in the first round. Just say it. That's what you mean, right? Or even the second? Oh, no. I think, oh, he's definitely to me, he's a top, He's a top 50, 30 to top 35 player. But okay. again, it's going to be, it's going to be needs. It's going to be stuff like that. I mean, Penn State, has, Penn State, you know, yeah. Chris Godwin, I think went in the third round for, for God's sake. So what are yeah. we talking about? It just depends. He's an incredible talent. He's going to be a really, really, really good NFL player, but there's just so many receivers, Dave, that are a little bit bigger that are putting up comparable, you know, well, you, uh, you know what else down. there is you're talking about their speed and then their speed. Yeah. There's there's agility and tests, yeah. and then there's the ability to run routes, which is yeah. really what we're talking about, right? I mean, yeah. how how do you you can't you cannot quantify the deception and the ability to fool DBs, right? And that's why the combine cannot measure it. And I'm getting to right. a guy who did not measure well at the combine, who mm-hmm. we watched, and Ernie, of course, he always said, believe the tape. Believe the videotape. Believe what you see on the field, not this stuff in gym shorts. And this mm-hmm. guy is a perfect example. He did not test well, and he was getting all sorts of substandard grades on agility and all the, the rest. Is David Bell from Purdue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, was, and, I thought you were talking about a Penn State guy because they all pretty much tested well. But I do remember I – thought I was wondering if you are going to bring up David Bell. Yeah, and I mean, he, how much crap did he get from all the metrics geeks? This guy is going to go out and do what he has done, which is fool guys with his route running. He he makes every stem look the same, and then he works off of that. He riffs off of that. He sees where guys are. He's really, really astute. I would be a little concerned about his size, too, because I don't know how durable he'll be, and he's going to have to be an inside receiver. I think you'd agree. Uh, But, man, the guy knows how to get open. you know, Cooper Cup had a really lousy combine, didn't he? Yeah. Right? I think I can't remember about I can't specifically remember how he did. It was a pretty high pick of the Rams, though, I think. Well, he was a very ordinary combine, so the Rams okay. knew what they were doing. And, and you know who else had a lousy combine because is he has short arms? Did you hear this one? <laughs> Offensive no. lineman? Yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got T-Rex arms. You yeah. didn't hear this? You didn't hear no, this? No, I didn't. I didn't. He's an Who offensive was lineman. Well, think of the most impressive offensive lineman last season in the Big Ten. Who would that be? 
It wasn't Linderbaum, was it? Yeah. Tyler oh, Linderbaum. They're ganging up on Tyler Linderbaum. Oh, his arms are short. He's a center. No. You don't need long arms as a center. He's not an offensive tackle. These He's a hell are, of a player. These, pop, these people are geeks. I mean, they're <laughs> geeks, and they can only talk about things that they can measure, that they can put numbers on. You need long arms if you're an offensive tackle, right? You don't necessarily need long arms if you're a center. It can't hurt you because you're constantly fighting guys off. Yeah. But as a, this guy is, a, is an MFer, and you know that's true. I mean, he is going to be a great player. Do you, you you agree? I don't disagree with you. I thought he was a tremendous player at Iowa. He played very well against Penn State. I really wanted to see Mustafer go against him, and he got hurt early in that game. But terrific center. I agree. And Linder, uh, Linderbaum hurt him. You know, Linderbaum's the guy who hurt I think, him. I think he was locked up with two guys in his knee cave, is how I remember it. Linderbaum was one of the guys, though. Yeah, yeah, Linderbaum. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you though. The the, the per, you know paralysis by analysis or analysis per, whatever that is. These guys are getting way out of control with their analysis. It's like, come on, did you watch any? I just wonder how many of the play, player personnel guys or GMs even listen to them. It's kind of like the astronauts in the Apollo program. They're all hooked <laughs> up. They're all hooked up with wires and crap, and finally they just took it off and. You know, okay, my heart rate's uh, 95. That's great. You know, let me <laughs> let me fly the ship here. You know, it's it's kind of <laughs> like that. They're they're going to get the groceries, and they're not going to necessarily take these the the list from these guys. Yeah, yeah. And the and I, I you know this year I just thought the coverage was lousy. If, if, unless it was the 40 yard dash, they didn't show a lot of the other events. Not that there were a lot of great events. A lot of people just didn't really want to do all the events. I just you know. I know there's a lot of value in the players just meeting with teams, and we never get to see that. I would love to see some of those interviews, but yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't I, you know? Forty-yard dash to me is—it's just you know. I just think there's a lot more to football than running a really fast forty. Although Jordan Davis is forty, yeah, the Georgia guys. Holy <laughs> mackerel! <laughs> I I don't know how. I don't That's know how. 341 many. pounds, man, moving real fast. Do you remember yeah. that play? And jumping real high. Really remember that play real- against Michigan where he just was in pursuit behind the play and kaboom on that Michigan kid? Yeah, that was. What a talent. But to me, one of the most fascinating things about him, Dave, is as he gets older, will he be able to keep his weight under control? Right, um, right. Because he, he was, I think he was quite a bit, a little bit heavier during the season. Once you get paid, you know, is he going to be 345 or is he going to be 405? And I, I hope he can – I would just want to see him at 340. I want to see what he can do because if he gets too heavy, he's going to lose some of that. You know, the other thing is it's like Zion Williamson. The torque yeah. on on your, your limbs at that size is so intense. I, I think injuries just tend to happen in, in guys that big moving that fast. I don't know. Uh, I'm with I, you, but what a, what a, yeah. you know, you, you just saw the best of him in terms of an, I don't know if it'll ever be more athletic than he was at the combine. That was just incredible. All right. I think, I think we've, uh, we've exhausted this bit about the, uh, the combine, but don't forget about your list of, uh, up and comers or risers in the NFL or the, uh, you know, I also want to, I, I want to mention something I'm doing. I'm doing a, a, something I sent you and we won't get into it now because we're yeah, done, yeah. but. A, a list of guys from the fourth round on from Penn State yeah. who played a long time. Even it was instructive to me 
um, how many of these guys, especially near scrimmage, you know, you could probably write a book about Penn State running backs who yeah. who, who were big busts who were who were drafted real early. But yeah. on the other hand, there's a lot of guys who were drafted in the lower rounds at Penn State who made long careers for themselves. So that's what this is going to be about in a couple of days. I think I'll have it up on uh, Thursday, Thursday morning, Wednesday. Morning. Don't forget about those NCAA basketball picks, Dave. Yep. Don't forget about them. All right. All right. That's it for the Blue White Breakdown. He's Dave Jones. I'm Bob Flounders. We will see you next week. See you, boys. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.